Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's ASF Weekly Science Podcast. And this week, I have another special guest to talk about a new study she's doing to improve the lives of people with autism and especially look at quality of life. So I want to introduce Dr. Elizabeth Kaplan-Kahn. She has a doctorate in school psychology from Syracuse. She completed her clinical psychology internship at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, where she's currently doing a postdoctoral fellowship. So she is leading several studies, um, not just around this, but also clinical evaluations and supervising trainees. So I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Kaplan-Kahn. Did I miss anything in your introduction? Nope, that was great. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Um, We are here to talk about measuring quality of life in people with autism, because at the end of the day, it may not be about a particular score in the ADOS. It may not be about um, a particular score on a behavior checklist. It may be about how not just the individual with autism, but how their family is doing. So tell us a little bit about the state of the science around current quality of life measures, what's good about them and what's not so good. Yeah, absolutely. So I believe that a big limitation in our current quality of life measures is that many were not developed or necessarily tested to make sure that they do a good job of measuring quality of life among individuals on the autism spectrum. And this is especially true for those on the autism spectrum who have an intellectual disability or have a difficult time communicating verbally or through written language. And I think you're exactly right in saying that so many researchers and clinicians, we do the work that we do because we care about improving outcomes for autistic people. And yes, we want to decrease things like physical discomfort, anxiety, and depression. But I think that promoting wellness and promoting quality of life is another really important part of this goal. And so the problem is, is that if we don't have valid tools to measure quality of life, we can't make sure our research is is doing its job. So the fact that there are a very limited number of quality of life measures that were created specifically for individuals with autism means that our research is limited. So we need to do more work to make sure that our tools that we use to measure autistic quality of life do a good job. And I will say we saw this when we did the candid survey about GI function and quality of life, that many of the families were completely unable to answer even what is known as the patient reported outcome measures for quality of life, which I know you're working on. So um, why is it then important if quality of life is really the be all end all, why is it important to also study those intermediate factors like anxiety, repetitive behaviors, um, social interactions, medical comorbidities? Why, what's the link between them and how are you studying them? Yeah, this is this is such a great question because it gets at why quality of life is so difficult to measure in different people, um, and and how we how research looks at quality of life and how it measures this can be tricky, especially for individuals who have challenges communicating about their internal states. Um, and in some of the examples that you just gave, in terms of looking at the relationship between behaviors or or anxiety and depression and quality of life, especially for individuals with cognitive disability or who are non-speaking or who are minimally verbal, we don't have a good understanding of how these things go together or if they even go together. And if we're just looking at behaviors, the same behavior, such as, for example, hand flapping, can 
indicate lots of different internal states. Um, and so if a researcher is only measuring a behavior, we're missing a big part of subjective experience or internal experience. And so this is why we need a lot more research to be able to accurately measure quality of life in individuals who express themselves in different ways. So you just mentioned that there are actual measures of quality of life out there, and that's great. And they either ask the person themselves or they ask a rater or something like that. What, who are they missing? I mean, who are the individuals or who should be included going forward? Yep, that's a great question also. And like you mentioned before, the the, the um, patient reported outcomes measurement information system, it's called PROMISE for short. These measures are, are well-tested, well-developed among non-autistic individuals. Um, and so a lot of work has gone into making sure they do a good job in that population. And we need to extend that work to make sure or ask the question, does it do a good job among autistic individuals or people with autism who also have a cognitive disability or who, minim who are minimally verbal? And we know that people on the spectrum who are non-speaking or minimally verbal or have significant intellectual disability are underrepresented in autism research. And that's certainly true here too for quality of life. And what this means is that I I think particularly when it comes to abstract or hard to measure things like quality of life, we want to make sure that we're hearing from families and from people on the spectrum who have intellectual disability or who have a harder time communicating through spoken or written language to make sure that we can do a good job of capturing this important outcome. So what are you doing specifically? What are What's the study that you're involved in? What do, what do participants do and who is eligible? Yeah, so um, this study is specifically for parents of um, children and, and young teens ages five through 17 who are on the autism spectrum and who are minimally verbal or have an intellectual disability. And like I said before, many quality of life measures were not developed with this population in mind. So this study is a first step in addressing that gap. And parents and caregivers can expect to spend about 30 minutes or so um, filling out some quality of life measures and giving some information about themselves and their child on the spectrum. And these quality of life scales cover things such as sleep, such as depressive symptoms, such as peer relationships or family relationships. And if parents are interested, they can elect to be interviewed about their experience filling out the measures. So we really hope to learn from parents about how we can make quality of life tools better suited for their children on the spectrum with intellectual disability or who are minimally verbal. So it's not just about filling out the form, it's about receiving feedback from the people filling out the form about their experiences, their thoughts, their perceptions, how the questions are applicable or not applicable. So there's a filling out the form part and then the feelings about filling out the form part. Absolutely. And the reason why we need both of those things, the first part, filling out the form, we need data to, to show because some of these measures might work okay. And those have already had a lot of work and we want to be able to use those because we, we, we want that research now. Um, it takes a long time to develop scales. And for the ones that don't work, we really need feedback on how do we make it better. So if you are a parent of a child between the ages of five and 17, whose child is either cognitively disabled or minimally verbal, and you're interested in 
doing something to help make these measures better, what should you do as a, as, as a potential participant? Yeah, so um, you're welcome to go to the link to fill out an eligibility survey. And if you're eligible, um, you you fill out this online survey. It's it, The study is all online. Um, what I want parents to know is that these are standardized quality of life measures, and that means they were developed and tested on non-autistic individuals. And so this means that some questions might be difficult to answer for their child with significant intellectual disability or who are, is minimally verbal. So for example, one quality of life scale acts, asks about um, a child's feelings about their future. And this might be really difficult to answer for a parent of a child who does not communicate using spoken or, or written language. And so I absolutely recognize this. And on these types of questions, we just ask that parents give their best guess. That's why we want the feedback onto what questions were really difficult to answer or didn't make sense for, for you and your child. And the goal of this study is to see which of the scales work and which don't work to measure quality of life in this population. So besides the fact that these tools are going to be used to improve how we understand individuals across the spectrum, is there anything you want parents to know specifically before they click the link? And by the way, the link will be in the podcast summary, and we will be posting the link on social media. Um, there, the study will also be posted in our participate in research page. So you can do um, a search for uh, uh, minimally verbal, you can do a search for quality of life. Um, and the study will be there for you to link to as well. But we'll have plenty of links to the survey so you can uh, you can participate. Is there anything else that that you didn't add that you want families to know? I would say the only thing is for for parents, caregivers, really anyone who participates in research, I want them to know how much we really appreciate their time and effort. You know, research is a really slow going process, which I know can be really frustrating at times. And that's true for us as researchers um, too. But the slow that slow progress is still progress. And we really appreciate participants, whether that's individuals, parents, caregivers, we really appreciate all of um, the time and effort to help us make that progress. Great. Thank you so much for talking to us today. And please, anyone that's listening to this and you fall into this category, your child is uh, minimally verbal or cognitively disabled, and you kind of want to improve how people are measuring what is a good outcome and what is good quality of life, please click on the link um, in the podcast summary or elsewhere. As Dr. Kaplan-Khan said, it doesn't take that long. It includes um, filling out the questions and then also being interviewed about your feelings about those questions. So thank you for joining us today. Um, and thank you, Dr. Kaplan-Khan for, for this study and for what it's gonna do for the autism community. Thank you so much for having me.